And the Moon Shall Turn to Blood, The Very Last Days, by Anthony E. Larson. Preface. Why another book on prophecy? This book deals with understanding prophecy and prophetic metaphors, not merely collecting and categorizing them. It is not just another book on prophecy because the implications of the novel view of the past and the future dealt with herein are nearly overwhelming, and if these concepts are indeed correct, they leave little doubt about the future of the children of God in this dispensation. This work is an attempt to introduce a new perspective of history and how it relates to prophecy, rather than an attempt to assemble all prophecy in one volume or to predict the dates of prophesied events. It is hoped that the reader will apply this new perspective to his study of the scriptures and re-examine prophecy for himself using these new concepts. With all the many books that have been written in the past attempting to clarify prophecy, some people may be inclined to say that yet another book on prophecy would seem to be superfluous. Yet with all that has been written about prophecy, most students of the scriptures still struggle to understand it. The book of Revelation is a case in point. Even with the heightened understanding that the restoration of the gospel brings, John's vision is still an enigma to most Latter-day Saints. In addition, many prophecies, which may have seemed strange or extravagant, were omitted from earlier books because they were too difficult to explain. Such statements, some written by or attributed to Joseph Smith and the prophets and seers who have succeeded him in the last dispensation, have seemed too fantastic to be taken seriously so they have never been properly addressed or dealt with. It is not enough to say that we needn't understand prophecy on the theory that the Lord has intended us to understand it, he would have given us the interpretation. While that may be correct for some gospel subjects, the sheer preponderance of prophecy in the scriptures argues eloquently against such thinking in this case. Why would the Lord have given us so much prophecy if he didn't expect us to understand it? Where is the logic in having so much revelation, whole books in some cases, concerning the last days, written by men of God, only to have the saints living in these last days left ignorant as to their meaning. A more rational analysis would seem to indicate that the Lord desires us to study the scriptures in order to learn their meaning by exerting faith and effort. The restoration of the gospel has provided a tool of inestimable worth to the student of sacred writings. Along with the restoration of the principles and ordinances of salvation has come in an abundance of new knowledge, and that restored knowledge is a formidable tool for discerning between truth and error. Almost any theory or thesis that touches on religion can be tested by that restored knowledge. Latter-day Saints often use principles of the restored gospel to test the validity of scientific theories. If a theory appears to conform to gospel principles, then we accept it as part of all truth which the gospel embraces. Like most Latter-day Saints, I see things in terms of the truths of the restored gospel, and whenever I am exposed to new concepts or principles, I test them with the truths of the gospel which I hold dear. The concepts of the past and the future examined in this book are the result of just such a test, of a new theory against the knowledge of the gospel. I find the results fascinating. It is my sincere hope that this book will open new doors of inquiry in the mind of the reader, that he will find these fresh insights so compelling and fascinating that he cannot ignore the implications, and that the concepts discussed in this book greatly enhance his understanding of the scriptures. Chapter 1. A Strange Thing Happened Except for the brief hypothetical opening scene, every other detail is derived exclusively from research. In this first chapter, you are taken to a not-too-distant future time when what is described could very well happen in much the way it is told. 
I don't know what I can write down, how I feel, or even begin to describe what happened in the last two weeks. The world I knew, and all the things I thought were firm and immovable, have been shaken and changed, until all that's left of the way of life used to be is a memory. And even that seems so far away, I'm not really sure anymore if it, that it was ever real. I remember the day the dust started falling. I had gone out to go get in the car and go to work and saw the stuff all over the windshield. I wiped my hand across the glass and felt the talc-like dust that turned the ends of my fingers red. I thought it was probably air pollution, and as I got my snowbrush out of the car and began sweeping off the windshield, I looked into the distance for the telltale wall of smog. Instead of the brown haze of air pollution, the horizon was a pale red, as though the sun were just rising. Even though the sun had been up for over an hour, I looked up at the sky that was tinted somehow, and it appeared almost pink. I brushed most of the dust off of the windshield and then tried the washer. When the water hit the dust, it turned a bright red. As I backed out of the driveway and headed down the street, it seemed that everything was dusted with this powder. I flipped on the radio and heard a bulletin that parts of the western North America as far north as Alaska had reported a fine, rust-colored dust settling out of the atmosphere. In some places, the stuff had been quite thick. A report from the Seattle area claimed that after a storm front had moved through that morning, rivers, lakes, and streams had been polluted by heavy rust-red rains that had fouled water supplies and seemed in heavy concentrations to kill fish and other aquatic life. Large metropolitan areas were suddenly faced with a very real danger of being without water. That evening, we ate dinner in the family room, crowded around the television, set as network programming was preempted for reports on what was fast becoming a worldwide phenomenon. Scientists first speculated that volcanic activity was the cause, but no eruptions had been reported anywhere. Pentagon sources denied rumors that the dust was radioactive and somehow linked it with nuclear testing. Then, in the days that followed, a type of ash-like dust began to appear in the atmosphere. Causes of skin irritation, open sores, and even reports of ash-related deaths began to alarm officials, and we were warned to stay indoors as much as possible. About that time, the cause of the dust and ash was identified. For months, astronomers had been watching a new comet that had entered the solar system from far out beyond the fur furthest planets. It was larger than most comets, although almost moon-sized, and that caused quite a stir amongst the scientists. We'd seen it for ourselves. It was much bigger than any star and had a tail that stretched halfway across the sky. Astronomers had assured us at first that the comet posed no danger to the Earth, but later they admitted that they had been wrong. They explained that as the giant comet had swung around the Earth, or around the Sun, rather, and started on its way back to where it came from, the gravitational pull of one of its inner planets had altered its course enough to bring it perilously close to the Earth, tail first. The rain of dust and, dust and ash had come from the debris that made up the comet's tail. Reports of meteorite showers became more and more frequent. In some places, the meteorites were the size of pebbles and pelted the earth like hail in a summer thunderstorm. The damage was devastating. Power and communication systems had been knocked out, and the network of communication satellites had been virtually destroyed. The din last night was terrifying. My family and I huddled in the basement and prayed as large meteorites rained down on our neighborhood like artillery shells. Early this morning, there was an earthquake that shook our neighborhood, ruptured a nearby dam, and brought the fouled floodwaters within a mile of here. 
We spent the long day doing what we could for neighbors and listening to garbled reports over shortwave radio. We heard reports of earthquakes and volcanic activity in almost every quarter of the globe. One report even said that the moon had turned red. We haven't seen the sun for days. Smoke and ashen clouds fill the sky, and the air gets thicker by the hour. What is to become of us?